Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we continue to look ahead to the Labor Day Classic. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders are perfect so far. The Blue Bombers are 3-1 and one just behind them. So we'll talk to the voice of the Riders, Derek Taylor, on Saskatchewan's hot start to the season and what he thinks we're going to see on Sunday. That's coming up on the podcast. We turn our attention back to football now. It is Labor Day week, one of the great weeks in the CFL. And to talk about this weekend's game, we are joined by the voice of the Riders, Derek Taylor, who also hosts Sports Cage on CKRM in Regina. Derek, how pumped are you for the return of the Labor Day Classic? Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I can't wait for the Labor Day game. I can't wait to go borderline depth at the Banjo Bowl. These are the two truly great weeks of the CFL season. And right now, they feature the two best teams, arguably, in the CFL. Oh, absolutely. That I, I Honestly, I thought Hamilton would be in the mix at this point for best team, but they've been really banged up. So, yeah, this is very clearly one and one A, depending on however you want to put them, I'm cool with, but it's definitely the top two. Because there have been years where you know, the game always means something, and it, it can often be the only game that means something for one or both of the teams over the course of a season, right? In a 5-13 and 13 yeah. year, you still gear up for the, the Banjo Bowl and the Labor Day Classic, but right now it's potentially a big swing in the standings if a team sweeps to two games because it's a shorter season and we're at the halfway point once we're done this back-to-back. Well, and, and that's the thing. Pretend, I mean, heaven forbid, pretend the Riders win both the games. They'd be 5-0. and oh. The Bombers would be 3-3. Three and three. The Riders would be two games clear having played five games on the season. That would be unbelievable. That'd be an amazing spot to be in based on what else is going on and what it looks like the, the parity within the West division is. So, yeah, I mean, you're, you're always going for the split, but man, even the bombers taking two and putting the riders down to three and two would be a real knock against the, the riders with how road heavy their schedule then becomes it's, and these games are going to be critical. Right. So let's talk about the riders start to the season. They are three and O Cody Fajardo named the top performer of the month. How much of it is the schedule? How much of it is the fact they're playing all these games at home? How much of it is the fact they're actually really good? Uh, let's see. The schedule certainly helps. You get ha- Week two, you get Hamilton at the right time, right? Anybody who plays Hamilton early in the season as opposed to late this season is getting a real plus because Banks is clearly not right. They're without their number two and number three receivers. They've had a variety of defensive players go on the injured list. They've been trying to figure out quarterbacks. So this has been the right time in my mind to catch Hamilton. Ottawa was guaranteed win night. They won. BC was a schmozzle of who's at quarterback and Mike Riley can't throw the ball from A to B. So there has been a little bit of schedule luck go in their favor. There's also the fact that those those are three games at home. Those are games you kind of have to win at home. So there, there's that. The the third part of it, though, I mean, they are good. Like, they're at this moment, they're probably – their results are better than I thought they would be. I thought they would probably be like a two-and-one team right now with with one of these games getting away. But, man, the offense just clicks, and the defense, apart from the BC game, has been pretty locked down on these opposing teams. Uh, Saskatchewan's a good team, but I need to see them tested, which is why I can't wait for Sunday. 
Well, and the argument can be made almost the same for the Blue Bombers, though Toronto, I think, is a pretty good team this year. Saskatchewan is ranked first, and it's not close in points per game. They're at 28.7. BC is second at 21. Points against per game, Bombers are first at 14.8. Saskatchewan is second at 15.7. So the Bombers are, are good defensively. The Riders obviously have the best point differential in the CFL. In terms of just looking at the overall trend of the season so far, Derek, offenses have been, dare I say, struggling a little bit. It's yeah. been a bit of a slog for a lot of these teams. Is it possible we just don't have good teams, or is this just rust after so much time away and it'll take longer for the offenses than it did the defenses to get into the swing of things? Just as I look around the league, I just I think this is rust, and I think this is new coaches, right? Edmonton, whole new coaching staff, the second new coaching staff, They've had since the end of the 2019 season. Toronto, who has looked really good, new coaching staff. Ottawa, new coaching staff. BC, yeah, they brought in Campbell after 2019. But, again, this, these are his first four games in charge. So I feel like there's, there's probably something to be made in that. I honestly thought the offenses would, would win out like they had in the NFL, where games were just constantly going over in the early part of their, their 2020 season. But it has not been the case, and – as you look at some of the games this week, you go, okay, well, the Riders and Bombers, I mean, those are two defenses that this could be a 17-14 game. And Montreal-Ottawa, there could be 29 points combined between these two. It's, at some point, they're going to bust out. I just, I'm done trying to predict when that is because it's already gone longer than I thought it would. Well, even look at their 2019 matchups, right? And I know there's been changes, but a lot of the player personnel still the same, right? The Bombers in Regina – it was a 17-10 win in the West Final. It was a 21-6 loss in October, and the Labor Day game was 19-17. So getting to 20 yeah. wasn't really much. They, the Bombers did clobber the Riders 35-10 in the Banjo Bowl, but for the most part, low-scoring games. But I think both of these teams are comfortable in those style of games, are they not? Oh, absolutely. The the Riders, for our part, watching them here. Oh, they need a touchdown to win? Woo, here we go, get a touchdown. Oh, you need a field goal to win? Well, we saw that three times which is why you, know, we, you and I talked about the West Final. Oh, they're destined to get this because they've been there you know, five times this season, and that was the one that, that didn't come through. And then, I mean, you, you look at the Bombers and go, man, Zach Caleros, when, when he gets back there and is allowed to do some stuff, that offense just clicks. He is right on target. He, his foot's down, the ball's out, bam, and there's Kenny Lawler rolling for some. There's Rasheed Bailey getting some. It's, uh, these two offenses, honestly, they've been – They've been dealing with their own problems, individual problems, different from each other. They've both been a joy to watch so far. So in the Winnipeg, I think part of it is injuries and continuity. Andrew Harris is finally back, but Nick Dembski is out now, and they've had players come in and out. What, what are the issues that the Riders are dealing with? Well, the biggest one for the Riders, it's just been nonstop injuries, right? Everybody heard of the, the day of the four Achilles, and there's been a fifth one since then. And the guys who will line up at tackle for the Banjo Bowl, people are going to see Andrew Lauderdale at left tackle, and they're going to see Cam Jefferson at right tackle. And then just remind yourself that those guys in training camp, uh, at the end of training camp, well, after the first week of training camp, let's say that, were the fifth tackle on the depth chart and the third tackle on the depth chart because of injuries ahead of them and a guy decided to retire. They're really trying to figure out some stuff with the offensive line, which is why uh, games one and three, you saw real quick strikes and Pichardo's getting the ball out so fast. And William Powell has absolutely no room to run. He had 10 carries for 20 yards in that game against Ottawa. 
it's it's been a real it, it's been they've been trying to cover up for that so far this season. Uh, receivers are getting banged up. Jordan Williams Lambert was back today, which is great news after he took a heavy shot in the Ottawa game. But they've been dealing with injuries on that front as well, and you're going to see a whole lot of Canadians in that receiving core. And uh, no Shaq Evans, who has been all things to the Riders, you know, in his last couple of seasons. It's it's been injuries, and what do you do with it with an undermanned offensive line? Which begs the question: How are they going to slow down the Bombers' front? Well, and, and there's the thing, and what they've been doing so far is really quick passes. Uh, the first game against BC and the third game against Ottawa, Cody Fajardo's average pass was less than seven yards downfield, where the league average right now is closer to 10 yards downfield. They're really they're swinging the ball out to the running backs, so they're throwing little speed outs or little hooks over the middle. They've been trying to control that, but. Richie Hall will have three weeks of that to watch and go, uh, hey, Willie, by the way, what I want you to do is pretend to rush and then just drop back, and you'll be there on the boundary side to hoover a couple of balls away if Fajardo isn't careful. I, Jeff Coat and Jefferson may not be able to get the Fajardo for you know uh, sacks, like how they absolutely ruined the things in the Grey Cup against Hamilton, but smartly done, they could really have an impact. So I'm curious. Because if Richie Hall knows that, then Saskatchewan offensive coordinator Jason Moss knows what Richie Hall knows, and I can't wait to see what those two guys come up with when they go head-to-head. The chess match. And the running backs have been able to get some some good good, uh, yardage on the Bombers' defense in the last three weeks. A couple hundred-yard rushers, and then Kadeem carries just eight carries for 66 yards last week. So is there an expectation in Ryderville that William Powell could have a big week this week? I want to say yes, but I, I look at the numbers and, and I watch the performance. And, and literally against Ottawa, it was 10 carries for 20 yards. And the only time where Powell has been able to get it going, and by Powell, I mean Powell plus the running offense, was, was in the fourth quarter of the game against Hamilton, where they were just layering on yards. Other than that, he's about, I believe the number is three yards per carry, if you exclude that fourth quarter against Hamilton. It has been real tough going. There is just there's no room for Powell before he gets hit by a defender, and against Winnipeg, man, that's that is not going to fly. I don't know if they just abandon the run and find other ways to use Powell through the passing game. I, I don't know. I honestly don't know how how they're going to move Winnipeg's offensive line. It's been it's been interesting seeing Toronto have success with it. They're they're getting their running backs into open space quite a bit. I'm not sure that Saskatchewan's offensive line can can do that same thing. So I'm getting the sense then, as we talk, that if it's going to be a game in the teens, which it very well could be, field position is going to be a huge thing, and the tug-of-war of punts and directional kicking is going to be a big thing. Who has the edge in that category? Is it the Riders experience or Mark Leggio in his fifth game in the CFL? Oh, I, it's absolutely the Riders in, in that case. If this was still a Justin Medlock team, I would think it's a little little closer. But, I mean, I've seen Lowther hit field goals from 57. And here's John Ryan hammering a ball from his own 30 that trickles down toward the goal line. Ryan has been spectacular this season. He's had bad luck with a couple singles, but he's changed some things in his style. And we won't get too punting nerdy, but Ryan, who who's always been able to murder the ball, can now murder the ball with some finesse. 
Because he was so over-kicking it last time, right? He was getting too many singles. Oh, I think there were 13 in 2019. It was, it was, it was troubling. But, man, he, he developed – he described it this way. He's a guy who owns a baseball team in Portland. And he's like, pitchers can't develop a curveball during the season. But in the offseason, they can go and they can get this new pitch. Well, in the offseason, John developed the – you hold the ball essentially straight up and down and kick it end over end. He had one against BC. I don't know if you saw, but it bounces in the end zone, then backs up and scoots toward the sideline. And if it was two inches more backed up, it would have been out at the one half yard line. It was just the perfect. It was almost a perfect punt. And you go, oh, okay, this is this is different. As troubled as 2019 was, this is fantastic. So that to me is a huge advantage for the uh, Riders. I, I'm curious to see how the Bombers play with that, though. Right? You can't count on Justin Medlock from 56 like he could before, do they go to punting more often or maybe get a little aggressive on third and four because Zach Caleros can really make some stuff happen? I'm hoping for the aggressive part just for the goodness of the of the CFL game and for my love for third down. Yeah, and like Eo showed last week that he, he made a 50, he made a couple in the 40, so he's got a leg for sure. But uh, before yeah. I let you go, Derek, just uh, a thought on the Bombers bringing in Naaman Roosevelt, a guy who – people in Saskatchewan know very well. Can I say go to hell on the air? Is that okay? I can't yeah, believe Naaman Roosevelt the bomber. Uh, honestly, <laughs> Naaman was one of the first guys I just I really gravitated to. I wrote a piece when I was at TSN. I wrote a piece in 20, was it 2016 about the next great receiver in the CFL, and it was Naaman Roosevelt, who had a few targets the year before, and you just watched him and went, wow, okay, this is really good. And he's a guy who was just incredibly reliable for the Riders uh, last season for his entire career, but even in 2019. So I was sad to see the Riders let him go. I was sad, though not surprised, to see Montreal let him go because they are really deep at American receiver. And while part of me was happy that he's got a job playing CFO football again, CFB for the Bombers, that one. (laughs) <laughs> oh, just because of the rivalry, it kind of stings. So I will downplay any Naaman Roosevelt great catches this weekend should he play in the, in the uh, Labor Day game. But, you know, but the, the impartial CFL fan in me will, will be celebrating the fact that a really good and really reliable receiver is back in the Canadian Football League. I wouldn't think he'd be in the lineup this weekend. Maybe in the Banjo Bowl. We'll see what happens. But, yeah, that's a, that's a good get for the Blue Bombers for sure. Derek, always love talking to you. Thanks for this, and have fun on the call Sunday. Thanks, bro. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell. Until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you over the